Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Perhaps you're like my beautiful wife and you learn lessons the easy way. Or perhaps you're like me and you learn lessons the hard way by sticking your nose in and figuring out, I should never stuck my nose into this. I've never gotten myself in this situation before. And thankfully, I don't do those twice usually, but I do tend to learn things the hard way. We're closing this look at the Johns today in our uh, in, in the book of Third John, um, with this title of Three Guys, Three Lessons in One Church, the lessons learned as we walk through and journey. Uh, through this faith journey are extremely valuable. And if we miss them, we miss not only the beauty of, of how the scripture serves as a guide and as, as, a, as a truth navigator for us, but also how uh, secondhand and thirdhand and fourthhand, the ripple effect of that in our lives can serve to guide others around us as they see truth coming out of our actions and deeds and hopefully out of our, our mouths and hearts as well. Um, we have talked about these essentials in First John, that John wanted us to look at it, obedience, hearing the Holy Spirit, knowing our identity, the things that love does, t- turning up the contrast between us and our culture, the things that love is, which is God describes love as himself, that God is love, looking at who, who Jesus is and was, who, who you think he is, and, and living what you know, letting that come out of the cracks of your life. And as we wrap today, as I say, it's, it's all about lessons and putting those things, putting those essentials into practice. And as we do that, gaining some lessons, and, and he uses three examples of, of men here in, in the church that he's writing to. Uh, join me in this text, if you will, of Third John. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some believers come and testify to your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to to the church, Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious content about us, nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do, to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not intimidate what is evil or what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God, and anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. 
I have much to write to you, but do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk face to face. Three things, three guys, Gaius, Diotrephus, and Demetrius, today that we're going to learn from. The first lesson worth learning is a lesson from Gaius. And Gaius is a lesson in being focused on others. His is a lesson of being focused on others. Look at these early verses again. Dear friend, I pray that you enjoy good health. He's talking to Gaius. That all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Um, it gave me great joy to have some believers come and testify to your faithfulness and the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in truth. Watch this. You're faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. Strangers to you. Talks about his faithfulness. Uses the word faithful, the word walk, the word walking in. So, in essence, there's a pattern here in Gaius' life of consistency. Of, of Gaius walking out what he says he believes in his heart. Not living, as many of us do, a Christianity of convenience. But living and walking a lifestyle of faithfulness beyond what's convenient, beyond what is popular, beyond what is easy. It's the same whether anybody sees that or not. And, and John, of course, sees that and is pointing that out to, to, to him, to the church, and to the rest of us. You've heard the saying before, the church oftentimes shoots its wounded. And sadly, that's true. But sometimes even worse is that, than that is we keep those who are different at a distance. And that's tragic as well. Gaius didn't do that. He, he welcomed in those who were different from him in, in the church. And served him well uh, in the church, as John writes here. Gaius um, had the wherewithal and the wisdom to see, and he points to, the, to, to this phrase, the name, that you see in this passage. And Gaius is saying, in essence, if we can agree on the name, being the name of Jesus and the way of Jesus, then the things we disagree on are insignificant. That still should be and is, is true in our day. If we can't agree on Jesus, one of us needs to repent. If we can agree on Jesus, everything else oftentimes will find itself falling into place. Now, are, they, are there things that are more or less significant than that? Are there things less significant than, than agreeing on Jesus, but there's nothing more significant than agreeing on Jesus. And so if we can't agree on him, we've we, we got to start at ground zero, and, and one of us needs to come to know him as our Savior. Um, but the other things, as I say, tend to fall in place after that, even if it's things that, that we've not heard before, that we're unfamiliar with. We go back to the scripture, back to the source, to find and glean and understand truth that walks along with the truth of scripture. Um, Gaius got that. He understood that. Um, and he, he talks, to, talks to them about the, the, the name. And you'll see John uses, as well in the Gospel of John, the way term the way, both pointing to the name and way of Jesus himself. Um, if, if we can glean that, that priority system, I guess, in church after church after church in this city, across this area, and across the world, I think we do well to, to focus our attention less on the pain on the outside of the building and more on what's in the hearts of believers inside the room. If we can agree on Jesus and walk in Him, um, it is th those those are, are significant things. It's not to Gaius, and it shouldn't be to us. It's not J Jesus plus. 
Not Jesus plus your talent. Jesus plus your money. Jesus plus your wealth. Jesus plus your, ta- your, your time. Jesus plus your treasure. Jesus plus how you dress. Jesus plus your vocabulary. Not any of that. It's simply, can we agree on Jesus? We can agree on Jesus. We can move forward together and reach a lost world if we can't. All they see is divisiveness and division among us. And who wants to be a part of that? I don't blame them. But Gaius got it. And his lesson is a lesson in being focused on others. Secondly, the, the second lesson worth learning is from Diotrephus. Diotrephus is a lesson on being focused on me. Look at verses 9 and 10. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephus, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Diotrephus, he says here, loves to be first. You ever know anybody like that? They want to know it before you know it. They want to tell it before you tell it. And if they know it and tell it before you tell it, and it's, it's inaccurate, um, they'll, they'll usually find a way to cover it. Well, I was told such and such, such and such. And it's, it, it, those kind of folks amuse me because what they just do, they amuse me. Um, I would rather be last and right than first and wrong. Um, but some, some don't, don't mind that they want to be first and, and, and got to know everything and, and tell it first. They're, they're one-uppers, any of those are. You tell a story, and they'll, they'll have one to up that story. You embellish the story, and they have another embellishment to embellish, to embellish the embellishment. So they're, they're often that way. Um, and that's, that's what he's describing here in, in Diotrephus. Those things are indicators on a life that's centered on self and not on others, as we saw from Gaius. Um, not only that, but to the exclusion of everybody else that's not like us, as he says here in this passage, it, even to the extent that he puts, uh, uh, the octopus puts them out of the church, has them put out of the church those that are different, and that don't look like, sound like, act like, talk like, walk like him. That kind of exclusive and authoritative attitude if we let it grow, we'll soon become adultery. What do I mean by that? One of the most dangerous things we can do is to claim the ownership of the bride of Christ for ourselves. I've seen that happen before in churches where I've served. It's a dangerous thing. In fact, I'm not going to embellish this story any more than saying I had a conversation with a man who told me it was his church and I couldn't do that in his church. He died within about a week. Um, it's, as I said, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's dangerous to have that much control in the body of Christ and claim that, claim his bride for your own. That's, that's an adulterous thing to do. It's easy to do because we, we love fellowship and most of us like control. And so if I can, can have fellowship and have control at the same time, that's a temptation that's hard, hard not to, t- to take and step into, but it's also very dangerous. And, and I, we should use the, the Diotrephus example here as, as a word of caution to throw a red flag to say, boy, invest, pray for, encourage, serve, love, grow, and even have some ownership of, of, in, in the body of Christ, but don't see it as your own. Stop, it seeing it. Stop before you see it as your own. 
Uh, it is the bride of Christ, and it's certainly not this cross point certainly doesn't belong to me. In fact, it belongs more to you than it does it does to me. But this this church belongs to the Lord Jesus Himself. It is His bride, not not mine or not yours. And, and it's dangerous when we when we begin to see it that way. Um, it's it's either yours or His. It can't be both. Put another way, I'm either more important than you, or you are either more important than me. Which is that for you now? Are others more important than you? Or are you more important than others? Can't, can't live that both ways. Got to decide. Diotrephus' lesson was a lesson in being focused on me. Gaius was a lesson in being focused on others. Look at, look at Demetrius. His is a lesson in the value of a reputation. His is a lesson in the value of a reputation. Look at 11 and 12. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also, also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. In essence, he's saying you have a reputation, whether you realize it or not, and your reputation matters. It's important. Don't take it for granted. I wonder what you're known for. I wonder what others around you would say you're known for. Um, as I as I would begin to grow up and run, rub shoulders with people who both knew me and my dad when they learned I was George's son, George's son. In fact, I had one guy share with me, asked me one time, said, I, believe, I bet your dad has the first dollar he ever made, ever owned on it. I said, he seems pretty tight. I said, he is tight. Here's why he's tight. He didn't have a lot growing up. Worked hard for what he had and, and, and wanted to not spend it frivolously. In fact, uh, Dad was a tightwad, but um, the older I got into late adolescence and early adulthood, the more I saw some things in his life that didn't, didn't gel with me. I didn't, couldn't understand. In fact, I asked him one time, I said, Dad, what's the most money you've ever made in your life in a year? He said, well, son, about $10,500. I said, what? About ten thousand. Owned his own business and sold it later in life and went to work for another grocery store chain. I said, that, that's impossible. You can't raise five kids, pay a mortgage, buy groceries, clothes, gas, cars, on that kind of money. I said, son, yes, you can. I've done it. I said, well, how'd you do that? Give me the secrets of success. He says, it's simple. Spend less than you make. It's that simple. Spend less than you make. If you spend less than you make, you're, you're financial success because you got some to tuck away and save for an emergency. Some to tuck away and save for, an, for a rainy day. And, and the last several vehicles my dad bought, he paid cash for it and never financed the car. As I said, that just didn't match for me. I want to know, how, how, do you, how do you make this work? And so the older I got, the more I used to ask a lot of questions. And uh, he's asked a lot of investment advice because he started an, an investment account, retirement account that my mom got to glean after he died. And wasn't a whole lot of money, but if it was any, I was shocked because he didn't have money to, to save. And so I wanted to, his money really grew well and matured well, and I, I want to know that. 
how to invest. It's how to invest in things you know people are going to need. It's that simple. I said, you can, you can play with a little money over here that might have some potential to grow that you don't, don't, don't know a whole lot about, but invest in something you know some things about. It's things you know people are going to need to buy and purchase because those things are never going to lose. They may, not, they may not have huge gains, but they're never going to lose. They're always going to continue to gain. And that made a lot of sense for me over the years. In fact, I've told some of you this story. Uh, a few of you this story, I'll, I'll give, you, give you some good financial advice ready for this. I was sitting on my porch about 30 years ago and uh, lived in a more urban area than I live in now, and sitting on, on my porch and had, happened to have the phone out on the porch with me that day. And I heard a car coming down the road. <laughs> The back end was kind of shaking off the ground almost. And I thought, that guy's going to be deaf before he's 30. I got on the phone and called the company I've got some retirement funds with. And I asked my representative, I said, have I got any, any funds in, that are heavily healthcare related? He said, well, let me look. So he came back after he put me on hold for a minute. So well, there, there's one that's, that has some healthcare leanings in it. He said, is there something specific you're looking for? I said, yeah, hearing aid companies. <laughs> Especially hearing aid companies that do R&D, research and development. He said, that's kind of odd. Do you mind if I ask why? I said, where do you live? He, he was in Houston. I said, do you live in an urban area, suburban area? And he told me. I told him the story here in this car coming down the road. I said, these kids are going to be deaf when they're in their mid to late 30s. Long pause on the phone. I think I may move some money around too. <laughs> I, 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 I say that story to say that that's how practical my dad thought in terms of, of how to invest his money and and had great return on it. But uh, that's he, he was known for that. Uh, my mom had a reputation as a prayer warrior, as somebody who searched the word, knew the word effectively, could could share it with you effectively, and p- people knew that about her. And she had a reputation for that that was well deserved. Uh, our reputation either opens or closes doors for us. It opens or closes conversations for us. It opens or closes relationships for us. It opens or closes opportunities for us. Uh, it's, it takes years to establish and only seconds to lose. So remember that it, 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 it is once you've earned it, it is extremely important to hang on to it and the values that you're, you're known for. Like Demetrius, our lives should be validated or agreed with or approved of by the truth, by the, by the scripture he's saying here in, in 11 and 12. He's saying Demetrius' life looks like the truth of scripture. It, it, his life is validated by, by what the word says uh, and it should be itself. Um, John Wimber, um, who started the Vineyard Church movement years ago, was a converted hippie and drug user who came to know Christ at a coffee house that a friend of his invited him to. And uh, he came to know the Lord that night, and um, the guy that led him to Christ gave him a Bible. He said, here, said, start in the book of John. John's in the New Testament. And, and, and read this. You need to get in church now. You can't, can't grow in your faith apart from church. You need to get in the local church. So when, this is like on a Wednesday or Thursday of the week. He, Wimber goes home and, and reads the entire New Testament before Sunday. 
goes to the church that's nearest his house where he lives, the place where he lives, the next Sunday morning. Trapes is in the church, sees all these people in suits and ties and coats and ties and walks down on the very front row, got on dirty jeans, a t-shirt, a pair of flip-flops, long hair, sits down and watches what goes on in church, hears some music sung, message preached, an altar call given, and the pastor's about to stand up and close in prayer. And so Wimber leans over next to the guy next to him and says, when are they going to do it? He said, do what? He said, the stuff. I said, what stuff? The stuff in the Bible that I read. I mean, I just came to know Christ. And I mean, now Jesus raised the dead, healed the sick, cast out demons. I said, y'all believe that, don't you? Said, yeah, we believe it. But we don't do it. He read these stories of power. And conviction. And wondered why little, if any, of that was in the church. We looked at last week, why what we believe is so important. And it is so important to believe the right things, but it's far more important to do the right things based on those beliefs. If those find a lodging place in our heart that gives us confidence in who we are and what we believe and where we're going, and that's all it is, it's it's okay. But we'll miss the influence we have as the body of Christ and as believers in those bodies across this world if we don't do the things we believe. Step out on them and put them into action, put them into into our faith journey. Um, It is what we do that matters. And, And Demetrius got that picture, lived it, and walked it out faithfully. Uh, well, the body of Christ is an imperfect entity full of imperfect people. None of us are, are perfect. But if we can't say to a lost world, follow my imperfect example as I'll try and follow the example of a perfect Savior, what are we doing? If we can't say that to a lost world, to anybody, follow my imperfect example as I follow the example of a perfect Savior. If we can't say that to him, who, who can? Who else is going to? Uh, where else are they going to go if they can't follow your example of mine? Because if we wrap up, take this home with you. If not you, then who? If not here, then where? And if not now, then when? He's called us, given us opportunity to be in relationship with others and, and invest in their lives and they in us. And we need to step up and live out and, and learn from the lessons that, that Scripture teaches us to. But Demetrius' lesson here being the greatest, and that is to put action to our faith, to wring the sponge out. Uh, we're, we're soaked full of many of us of, of truth and and wonderful experiences that haven't have been squeezed out into the life of others. You'd say, but Tim, my example is flawed. My, my model, I'm a, I'm a flawed model. <coughs> well, so was David. So was Paul. So was Peter. So was Martha. So was Magdalene. So was, so was mine. So was yours. We're all flawed models, but we serve and know a perfect Savior.
And that perfect Savior offers a perfect salvation. And that perfect salvation ensures our entry into a perfect eternity. And that perfect eternity is intended for not just you, but those around you. Those God's placed within your sphere of influence. They need to know what makes you tick. They need to know what you believe, why you believe it, why you're so impassioned that they know that too. They need to know those things. If the Johns does nothing but gives you a few good truths to, to lock away, I'm, I suppose that's adequate for some. But I hope what we've looked at has stirred us to say, you know what? My life don't look like that. And it needs to. My life isn't wrung out like that regularly, and it needs to be. My life isn't consistently giving, given away into the love of God and the love for others, and it needs to be. Most of the time it's given away to me. And we are a self-consumed culture uh, like Dr. Fuss was, uh, and self-consumed people in it, in the kingdom as well. But these lessons ought to push us and stir us and, and prod us and poke us and provoke us into walking differently, not just believing differently, living differently with it. Let's pray. Father, these examples, these lessons we've learned to follow should, should strike many of us where we are, where, each of us actually, where we are, where we live. Either we're, we're focused on others and that's, that comes easy for us. We're focused on ourselves. And that comes easier for us or whether we get it, whether we're living it, modeling it. And we have a reputation that says it is God and it is others before me. Whether we have a reputation that's being lived out and walked out in our world and people who know us know it's beyond just we, what we do with, with money or relationship or, or with vocations or careers. But in everything we say and do, the walk matches the talk. The attitude and the actions match with each other. And they look like this book that we hold so dear. We look like the Savior that it teaches us about. We look like what, what, we, what we were intended, the way we were intended to walk and live and know others and fellowship with them. And the way we were intended to do life as a church, it is important that we live authentic lives. It's important that we align ourselves with what the scripture says, that we are biblically true. It's equally important that we are contagious with it, that we speak to others and build relationships with others so that they can come to know you as well. Teach us to walk in those truths and not just be stirred up by them and have, have more information, but be inspired by the example of them as well. And poured out of our lives, out of our conversations, into the lives of others. Stir that thing up in us today. Prod us and poke us and remind us. And do whatever it takes to, to get us to see that tomorrow and the day after and the day after. There's others around us, some that we care about deeply, are dying and going to a real place called hell. And heaven awaits for those who know you. And what may hang in the balance between heaven and hell for them is our story. Our story of how you changed us. You stirred us. Shown us something we couldn't see apart from you. 
He gave us the courage and the giftedness to walk in it and live there. Not just visit occasionally, but live in that place. Stir that in us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.